Welcome to Saga Craft. Myths, fairy tales, legends, stories comfort us, inspire us, and heal us. Please join us as we share stories, both old and new. More than anything, we are open to the story and its unfolding. At times, it may be one story told by one person. At times, it's the same story told through three different voices. In the end, we go where the story takes us, and we invite you to follow. I'm C, a writer, artist, and storyteller. I'm Betsy, a medium and teacher of mystery traditions. I'm Gabriella, an artist and practitioner of folk magic. We, we are, are magical, magical fairy godmothers, godmothers in, in training. training. We welcome you, Veiled One, Dark Vera, to come and to be part of this storytelling time. And I also want to invite Saga to be present as the tremendous storyteller and holder of space for stories. Um, but this story of the Kaliak also has Bridget in it, in her earliest form, um, known as Brija. So we want to invite Brija to be present. And the other person in the story is Angus, who is the Summer King. So we invite all of you in your compassionate forms to be present with us for this story. And may you be pleased with this story. May it um, make whatever sense to individuals that it does. May it touch the hearts that it's supposed to. Um, may I speak to those who will be listening to this story in the future. I ask that my words go directly into the ears and to the hearts of those who will in the future listen to this. And also to you now who are hearing this story. I really thank you. My story is about the Kaliak, who is a goddess figure in Scotland, Ireland, and the Isle of Man. And Kaliak, when we look at what the word means from Old Gaelic, um, what it means is the veiled one. And it refers to old women, old hags, and very powerful goddesses. And this story is about that powerful goddess who is truly the veiled one. Dark Bera was the mother of all the gods and goddesses in Scotland. She was very old, quite tall, and everyone feared her. She reigned as the queen of winter with fierce winds, ice, and biting storms at her command. As spring neared each year, she would try with all her might to prolong the winter and her reign as the queen. Though she lived in this way for hundreds of years, she did not die because when spring inevitably came, she conceded the ruling of her realm to her son Angus, the summer king, who was a beautiful golden god. Freed of her winter duties and aged with the effort to create the storms, to freeze the land, she would go seeking renewal. On the night before Beltane, she would go to the floating greened island of the west, to the sacred and hidden well of youth. Here she would sit in silence and alone all the long night, waiting for dawn when she would drink the magical waters. After drinking from the sacred well, Bera would begin to grow younger and that anti-aging would continue for her. 
She'd leave soon after drinking, returning to the mainland of Scotland, where she would then go into a deep, magical sleep. At length, when she awoke, she was even younger still, emerging from sleep as a beautiful golden-haired girl, sweet of disposition. By midsummer, she would be a woman fully mature, and with autumn came her wrinkles. By winter's beginning, she was again a withered, blue-faced, one-eyed hag. She continued in this way for hundreds of years. One winter, Bera kept captive a young woman named Brija. Bera knew that this lovely princess was going to be the wife of her son Angus, and she would eventually put on the crown of the summer queen. Bera didn't love her for this. She kept her captive in a hidden mountain, and she set the beautiful maiden to impossible tasks and was exceedingly nasty to her when she wasn't able to complete them, and she wasn't meant to complete them. She scolded her constantly, finding fault with everything Brigia did. The girl was wretched with this treatment and deeply miserable. She was also unused to be treating in this, treated in this way. Vera gave her a brown sheep fleece and told her to wash it in the stream until it became snowy white. Brigia washed it day after day, all day long, with no change to the color of the fleece. It remained a dingy brown. Brigia worried and fretted that this was going to go on for her whole life. It seemed like it was never ending. One day, while washing the fleece, an old gray-bearded man came by and watched as Brida cried bitterly, washing the fleece to no avail. Taking pity on her, the old man asked her why she was so sad. When she told him, he said, I'm sorry for you. And taking the fleece from her, he shook it vigorously three times, at which point the fleece became instantly as white as snow. I'm Father Winter, he said. I can easily make things white. Giving the fleece back to her, he accepted her heartfelt thanks for saving her so much trouble. I have something else for you, he said, and he handed her a bouquet of snowdrops, pure, absolute white. Give these flowers to Bera if she scolds you and tell her this. Tell her that snowdrops are growing in the green fir woods and cress is growing on the stream banks. Be sure and tell her that. Brija went to Bera and dropped the fleece at her feet. Bera didn't even look at it. She handed her the snowdrops. Bera's rage lit up when she saw the flowers. Where are these flowers from, she shouted. Brija said, snowdrops are growing in the green fir woods and cress is growing on the stream banks. Raging with fury, Bera sent her eight hags to the north the south, the east, and the west to freeze and blight any new green growth, any sign of spring. Smite the world with frost and storms. Wage war against all growth. Wage war against my son, the summer king. Her hags mounted their shaggy goats and rode forth. Bera took her black hammer and smote the ground again and again, freezing the earth solid and keeping spring at bay. As she smote the ground, she reshaped the mountains and the valleys. Meantime, Angus, the son of Bera and the summer king, dreamt a dream of a beautiful and very sad maiden. 
He saw an old gray-bearded man beside her in the dream and asked the man why the maiden wept so unceasingly. The old man said, she's a captive of Vera, your mother, and treated most cruelly. When Angus awoke, he sought guidance from the king of the Green Isle. The king told him, this maiden is going to be your wife. She'll be your summer queen. Angus wanted to go at once and free her. The king tried to persuade him to wait until the first sign of spring to rescue her. But Angus decided to go at once, even though it was deepest winter in the time of his mother's greatest power. I'll borrow three days from August, and I will sing a spell upon the land and the sea for peace of the winds and peace in the sea. This he did, and he rode to the lands where Brija was captive. He searched high and low, day and night, but he couldn't find her. She was hidden so well. Vera, angry at her son, stirred up a tempest and blew him back to the green isle. Undeterred, Angus went back again until eventually he found her. From the first time that Angus and Brija saw each other, they also loved each other. And to help them, the local fairy queen and her many maidens helped the couple to safety. Crossing a river frozen by one of the hags of Bera, Brija put her hand on the ice and began the very first melting of the waters. The ice hag responsible for the frozen river shrieked and fled back to Bera. Brija was transformed from her rags to a gown of white silk and crystals. She was given a white wand woven with golden stalks. The fairies, the nature spirits, the birds, the animals, all of nature celebrated the wedding feast of Angus and Brija, shouting, spring has come, spring has come. And Angus spoke spells of fertility for the land while Brija waved her wand. The spells of spring were strong and even made their way to the land of the humans. Angus left his bride in safety on the green isle and he went and challenged his mother. Bera sent storm after storm to drive him away. He kept coming back. She sent the wind called whistle to him which brought hail and ice. Scotland suffered greatly. Angus fled but returned again. The next wind Bera sent to him was sharp-billed wind which pecked at the land like a great bird. Next was the sweeper, which tore branches from the trees and budding plants from their stalks. The earth was ravaged, people starved, and the weeks of leanness came on. It was a sorrowful time. But where that wind of Bera's could not reach, spring came. Flowers appeared. Bera retaliated with the gales of complaint. Yet, she was unable to fully subdue the powers of spring wielded by Angus and Brija together. At length, at the end of her own strength, Bera had one more blast in her. She called forth the three days of winter that had disappeared when Angus called up the three days of spring. The spirits of those particular days of winter were tempest spirits, and they did their utmost to defeat the summer king, to no avail. On Beltane Eve, weakened with effort and an extreme old age, Bera conceded defeat and fled in despair. She dropped her black hammer and made her way to the well of youth on that floating green isle. And waiting through the long night, she drank at dawn.
The next day when Bera returned to her home, Brija in triumph dipped her white hands into the high mountain waters that still held ice. Bera, the veiled one, fell instantly into her magical and deep sleep. That was beautiful. That was very magical and triumphant. <laughs> A story of triumph on so many things. Do we know who the man was or did I miss it? He just called himself Father Winter, but we don't know who he was. But the fact that he was old put him on a powerful footing with Bera, I think. Could he have been her husband and the father of Angus? He could have been. One of the stories about Bera says that she was a maiden seven or nine times over. Because she could go through that process of renewal, she had many husbands and many children. I want to be like her. <laughs> for me not to just relate to her because I know I'm sure I know her and I love the whole winter thing and my son is Angus. <laughs> well this is a, a tale that definitely honors your son as a namesake of the king of summer. I'm struck by how it would be to be constantly changing age in such a rapid succession too. Seems like it would be nice. I'd love to change age, like breathing. Young, old. <laughs> that sounds really pleasant. I think parts of it would be pleasant, but I think other parts would be a great challenge. And I would think you would never fully be any of those ages because there's that constant change. And it seems like there's something unnatural about that how the age can shift from one to another in a person. But this is a, a goddess. So this is a, a nature being who has reign over, well, but she has reign over one specific time and somehow she's managed that time to serve her through all the times. So she has to fight, like her power is in the winter. Her power though can grant her different seasons of being that is where her true power is, is in that winter, which is why she holds on to it so tightly. So in her crone age, in her, at her peak of age, that's where her power is. It's quite interesting to look at her as a feminine being and think that, yes, in the winter, she's at her most haggish, repulsive. I mean, other descriptions that people say is that she has red teeth and she dresses in the winter with clothing that are covered with bones and skulls. So she may be a bone mother. And in places in Scotland where there are uh, mountains that she has purportedly shaped with her black hammer that are associated with her, those are often in alignments with the Neolithic sites as well. So there's a sense of her antiquity being so, so ancient. She certainly feels like a giantess. She feels like she is the bones of the earth and the hollows of the earth. And this may be why she can command the wind is because it's from her hollow places, from her shallow places, they come. 
I love that she models to me that it's all right to fight reality, even though you're going to lose. <laughs> I need that lesson. <laughs> Sometimes it's about the battle, not the win. Right, yeah. The engagement. And what that engagement and what that battle invokes in other people so they can find their destiny and power. Because without her, would they find who they are meant to be without being challenged? I find that very interesting is that they don't really rise until there is a great danger for the land and balance has to be restored. And they, at that point, are reminded of their natural time, of their natural power and its peak. And they have to show up in that form. It's striking to me that in the summer when she's rejuvenating and renewing the spring and the summer, that she's not the giantess, not the hag, but a beautiful golden-haired maiden herself and has no power whatsoever during that time, but her beauty. That's what I'm just thinking. It's hard to think that a beautiful maiden doesn't have power. And she's noted to be sweet-tempered as a girl, but as she ages and moves into her power, her temper gets worse and worse. Until she's definitely a template. <laughs> Very quick to rage. That's liberating. <laughs> well, it just feels requisite to me. Like the way that you earn your power is by going through things that make you shorter tempered. <laughs> like, totally makes sense. Thank you for the story. It was so beautifully shared and just exquisite in its magic and unfolding. I feel like I'll, I'll be sitting with it for a bit. It's really lovely. This is a beautiful story. I'm trying to think what the, the lesson would be for me were I the younger woman. So it's so easy for me to relate to the elder woman. <laughs> but were I the younger woman, what would that be about? Just hang in there. Hang in there, your time will come. My noticing about the younger woman, Brija, is that she's given most things like a beautiful woman. She's given the clean fleece. She's given the snowdrops. She's rescued by Angus. She's given her wand, which she then wields beautifully. But everything is given to her for her to play her role as summer queen. It's very true. I did not even, that didn't even occur to me. I just thought of her as somebody that already had those powers ahead of time and has come into them upon challenge. But no, the man arrives to help her. She's given the clue. Yes, she seems somewhat ambiguous in who she is and how she even comes into the picture. But then, yes, ends up being one of the heroines to restore part of the restoration of nature. Which I think is something in, in many stories that there is the young maiden that brings either an aging god back to life or restores the peace of the land along with the summer king or along with an appropriate partner. That there is that meeting of the two youths that bring balance back into nature. And they're always king and queen and lord and lady 
at the same time. And here are, are escorted by or are blessed by the Fae. So blessed by the magical land, the magic of the land and the blooming land and nature spirits, devas, trees, all of those beings. I think we're always holding that tension of opposites between the old and the young, between the, this is the way things were and the way things should be. And think of the crazy good things we could do if we just started things differently. There's always holding that battle. Like, how do we move forward? Do we follow tradition explicitly or do we break out and use our creativity to try to create a better world? And different people side to different ones, but nobody holds just one. Well put. There's a naivety required in creativity and bursting forth and trust in the world that you don't get so much as an old hag. Well, and it's possible that the old carried a certain necessary role to maintain a time and retention of what it needs to be. And change wasn't needed until it was. Yet they were not of the awareness to, or maybe not even awareness is the word, but they knew that they would disappear with that change. So of course they would fight for survival of what they knew against all odds. And regardless of what the consequences would be, where the younger people in the story, the the newness is not only newness, but it's a return to balance. It's both. It's that the old ways have forgotten or are resisting a certain movement in time and someone has to come in to stop them. That's exactly what's happening politically right now, but I don't want to drag you into that. (laughs) Um, And on that note, it seems as though one thing that I'll be pondering over the next week is the power of working together with someone because it was when Brija and Angus worked together that the power of spring became potent enough to turn the tide. Whereas I can certainly relate to Bera and her rage and her desire to keep things going the way that they have been. I also see the benefit of how hands together can bring forth that fertility. And that's something perhaps that our world needs right now is that fertility, is that working together with the masculine and the feminine, bringing their own powers to bear. And each of us have those within us. So that can look different ways for different people. That feels like a good a good lesson to take from the story for sure. Even on the aspect of the other, it's embracing the other and it's embracing the change that comes with a complete shift in outlook on a situation that is necessary for things to change and believing that they can and, and holding that as the new, as the new normal, as the new, as the new way until that becomes exhausted in itself and something else comes through. It'll just keep going in that way. Yeah, and so go in confusing directions. In addition to my father dying this week, my friend John is also dying this week. Probably already dead, but I haven't gotten that notice yet. But I have been really aware of how much John meant in my life, even though we really weren't close because we went to high school together And we both had moments of collusion 
where we broke the way things were happening because we worked together against the group and moments where we worked in opposition to one another. And I'm so aware of how he taught me to cut my teeth. You know what I mean? Like just how to stand on my own and how to not care what other people thought and how to be myself in a world that would not particularly appreciate or respect me. And I simultaneously think of when I spent time with small children and we would play games and they wanted me to lose, of course. But they'd be like, I want to play with that other person because they're going to let me win. And I was like, no, I, I know that you are smarter than me. I know you are. And when you win from me, it will be a real victory. So I wonder how much she is playing into that, how much she is setting up terms in which they have to do what they need to do to get to the place where they're able to move forward before they're permitted. I wonder if she's thwarting them or if she's being a gatekeeper with integrity. I always like to think that the big bad is doing just what needs to be done in order to, in order to enlighten. I always want to believe that the opposer is there to enlighten the hero and that the hero really wouldn't exist without them. Me too. So I think I will be looking this week at what gates I am keeping and if I am keeping them to the best of my ability. For me, someone who has always been very comfortable with the crown in all of her all of her forms, the crone, the hag, the dark goddess, the challenging goddess. I will remember that I have aspects of that in myself. And I will ask for those aspects to show up when I'm feeling unable to accomplish something or if I'm opposed in any way. But I feel like I'll want to use those aspects for change, not for retention. Unless I want to retain sacred truths within myself that will never be changed. And I've simply forgotten and have allowed them to dissolve somehow in my own mind. I'll look to the, to the wise one, to the crone, to the veiled one, to, as a reminder of those truths and those strengths that are eternal. I, I'll be thinking also of what it's like to have exhausted oneself completely and have everything fall apart. And at that point, at a time when one could think of it as defeat, I could think of it as a time when I need renewal. And what I found when I looked into this story was a, a longing for that well of youth, not just for the rejuvenation, but for that night of solitude that waiting for the perfect moment to set things in motion. So I'll be looking for that perfect moment. I'm gonna to totally double it up because I feel like I'm in such a place of transition in my world, unlike everyone else. Everyone is in such a place of transition in the world right now because the world is transitioning around us. And so I feel like many things are ending and in many ways I am being the gatekeeper as a woman of age and simultaneously I feel like new things are starting and I'm not done and I'm starting with those new things and so I think that I'm also going to think about 
who is that she worked and worked and worked and got nothing done and just ask. I think I'm just gonna ask. Sounds like a plan. Well, thank you. And the final thing that I would like to say is, is that the well of youth has been found. It used to float around on an island and was very difficult to find, but has come to rest, at least in our lifetimes, on the Isle of Iona at the top of Dunee, where it's now known as Bridget's Well or Bridget's Well, the well of youth. We should so, go there. Yeah, seek it in your dreams or <laughs> your visions or go and find yourself there at dawn. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Well, thank you for listening to my story. Thank you. It was wonderful. Thank you. It was beautiful. A beautiful treasure. And special thanks to the fantastic Zoe Magic for her phenomenal editing skills.